What's up, y'all? Welcome back into the Lacrosse Bucket podcast. Tanner Demling here with y'all, as always, recording a day later than usually do after a weekend of action because of a certain game last night. So here on Monday night, coming to y'all from Louisville, Kentucky, looking at the weekend that was in college across and, and it was a a weekend chock full of upsets. Oyola, Air Force, Hopkins, Jacksonville, all earning wins. Binghamton, uh, 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 you know, another upset one there over Marist. We are going to try to get to as many of these games as we can across the weekend in, you know, under an hour or so here on today's show. Before we get into things, reminder, you can listen to the Lacrosse Bucket podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcast. You can also watch the show on YouTube as well. Let's get into things here and going to start with the, the, the biggest result of the week, and that is number two, Maryland falling to Loyola 12-7. to seven. This is a game that was defined by Loyola's defense. Uh, Luke Stout in his second ever start, uh, making 19 saves with a 73% save percentage. You had Matt Hughes, Cam Wires have big days defensively at close. Uh, Alex Bean getting the start at close as well. That group played very well against the Maryland offense and was able to force them into some shots uh, that, that they weren't able to convert, uh, force them to angles, uh, bad shooting angles, I should say. And, and Maryland uh, shot 19, uh, excuse me, 16% on the day, uh, the Terrapins also believe had 22 turnovers, if I'm not mistaken, on the day as well. So uh, a, a, a day where we saw Maryland, and certainly we knew Maryland was, was not going to be this power that they were last year. They were not going to run through this season unscathed as 2022. They, they, they probably weren't even going to be uh, what they were in 2021. Still a lot of great pieces there. I thought the Maryland defense still played well, and obviously that is you know coming into the season kind of the, the headlining point, uh, headlining piece of that team. Uh, when you're, you know, Brett Maycaller, Ajax Apatello, Logan McNaney, Luke Wheelman, uh I mean, dominated the faceoff dot, pulling the stats here for that game, and he went, you know, eighty-two percent. Um, you know, and and Loyola, I mentioned the defensive success they had. We also saw a, a ton of success offensively from them that we hadn't seen last year. So last year, if you remember, like down the stretch, that they, they kind of put it together to, to an extent. Uh, but, but obviously missed the NCAA tournament. They lost in the uh, Patriot League semifinals. And, and this is a team that the past couple of years has been one of the most inconsistent in college class. I, I don't remember a, a game like this from Loyola, at least this early on in the season, in, in quite a while. So for me, that's a good sign. Uh, Davis Lindsay, one goal, two assists. Evan James had a hat trick. As well on the day, uh, Seth Higgins, one goal, two assists as well. Henry Haberman, the freshman, uh, uh, in his debut with two goals, was very impressive uh, for the Greyhounds as well. Adam Poitras, Matthew Minikis, another freshman, getting in the, uh, the game here for the Greyhounds. And this offense looks like it's kind of gelling and mesh- meshing a lot better than it has uh, at, at least at this point in the season, which they're 1-0 right now, uh, then we had seen Loyola do so in recent memory. Um, you still had some turnover issues 
particularly the, in the fourth quarter, you had some issues in terms of clearing and you saw some just uh, strained passes um, downfield and there was some, and on both sides, you saw this, right? I mentioned Maryland with 22 turnovers. Like th th this was a game that you saw some of that early season stick work. Um, so like for both teams, I'm not necessarily taking a ton from that. Um, I, I think with respect to Loyola, certainly at the end of the game there, uh, th they were perfect in the clearing game all day long, had been perfect in the first, second, third quarters. Uh, Maryland switches to the 10-man ride in the fourth, and it, I mean, it worked. It, it, it worked, and you know, they, they didn't get the win, but it, it worked. Um, you know, I, I had you know mentioned to me multiple times since Saturday and even during that game of like, should Maryland have made that decision to go 10-man ride earlier? It, and if they would have done so, it, are we talking about a Maryland loss here? I, I don't know if that's necessarily the one factor that would change this game because, I mean, Maryland had the uh, advantage at the face-off dot. They clearly had some uh, success, clear, uh, riding success, success riding late in the game. We saw Maryland be able to get up and down the field. They just weren't able to get the looks they needed. And when they did get those looks, Luke Stout was was there to make those saves. So uh, just a, a wholehearted effort uh, from Loyola, and in, in particular that defense. Um, I, I do think Loyola looks a lot better offensively than they have in the past. Uh, so, I mean, a huge, huge season-opening performance there from Charlie Toomey and the, and the Greyhounds. You know, Maryland, Daniel Kelly had four goals. Uh, Jack Brennan, one and one. Kyle Long, one and one. Uh, Daniel Maltz also got in on the action as well. I, I think this is going to be a Maryland team that bounces back. I know Logan McNaney got nicked up in this game. Um, certainly if, and, and it was kind of hobbling, um, certainly if he is nicked up to an extent what impacts his game, that's significant. If not, um, you know, I asked, you know, and really either way, I expect this Maryland team to, to, to bounce back pretty strong. They've got the game against Syracuse here coming up this weekend. Uh, th that is going to be a big one there and certainly want to redeem themselves after the loss to Loyola. Now, moving on to another upset and staying in the state of Maryland here, the Johns Hopkins Blue Jays. 13, Georgetown, Hoyas, 12. And Georgetown, I believe, was the number uh, five team. They were top five, six-ish uh, heading into the season. Oh, excuse me, number three. Number three heading into the season. You had two, three, seven all lose this weekend, as well as Denver was, I think, 12 to 15-ish. Um, they were in that group. Um and I think there are different spots in, in the different polls as well. Uh, we'll get to my top 20 uh, here at the end of the show that, that I put out uh, earlier today. So, uh, but Hopkins, 13 to 12 over Georgetown. Hopkins has looked good. That uh, They looked good uh, against Jacksonville, and they've looked good against Georgetown. I think the biggest thing for me, and what I have written down in my notes here is, Hopkins was able to punch back. That's that. That's the biggest key for me. Like defensively, Hopkins has been pretty dang good over the past couple of seasons. Uh, under Peter Milliman, under Jamison Kostner, the defensive coordinator there, this Hopkins defense has been strong. We saw that continue. Mazone, Scott Smith, those guys have been good. Uh, Tim Marcel there in cage had uh, 16 saves, 57% save percentage. He played well. I thought this Hopkins de uh, defense played well overall. Tucker Dordovic was able to get what he wanted uh, with five goals on the day. Glenn Bundy Jr. had three goals and one assist. When you face a team like Georgetown, one, one or more guy is going to have a day like that. 
it, it's tough to face a team with as many weapons as the Hoyas have. I think with Georgetown, though, with respect to the offense, it does appear the pieces are still kind of coming together. I'm not, and certainly this is February, we're not counting anybody out at this point, but Georgetown talked about the depth last year, and we talked a lot about that coming into this season. They had Dordovic, Bundy, Kelly, Minikis, and Ad, uh, Adam Aiden Kill all get uh, goals in this game. They had Nikki Solomon have one assist. I'm not seeing the depth that they need yet, um, but I think it, I, I think it's coming. I, I think it's coming. Um, no, so, so we'll see how how things go here with Georgetown. That that's kind of the biggest takeaway for me was the the, the offense. It still looks like it's coming together. And I think, you know, once it does, that depth is going to fall in line there because I know that's something that, that has been talked a lot about with Georgetown uh, throughout the offseason uh, there since that Delaware loss. And, and, and Willie, I mean, even Kevin Warren has, has, has mentioned this in interviews and uh, stuff of we, we've got to get deeper. That, that's a key thing that we're trying to focus on. We're trying to build more depth. And, and it's not going to happen overnight. Uh, certainly getting as many – uh, high-profile transfers in as they did helps with that. Um, and, and certainly want to see some of these younger guys step up here in the coming weeks. Uh, with respect to the uh, Georgetown defense, uh, obviously Daniel Hanks got the starting cage. They looked pretty good. Like, this is an 11-8 to game. This was a pretty close game throughout. Um, but back to my point uh, about Hopkins is, like, every time that – Georgetown, you know, that it felt like Georgetown was going to be able to kind of start running away with things. Hopkins was able to punch back and Hopkins was able to say, no, you're not going to do that. And then by the end of it said, no, actually, we're going to win this game. We're going to win this game. And Hopkins did. And uh, great credit to the Blue Jays. They look like a, I mentioned this um, last week, they look like a completely different team than they did last year. Russell Melendez, four goals on the day in this one. Jacob Angelis with four assists. Jonathan Peshko and Degnan each have three assists. We have, have uh, hat tricks on the day against Georgetown. This offense, the John Crowley offense, is working. It's working, and there's still maybe, uh, obviously, with February, there's going to be some evolution here with it. It's going to get better, right? Um, and, I mean, they face the Georgetown defense with, you know, Will Bowen. And I should mention the absence of Will Godine at the defensive midfield spot was significant. And that's something that I'm going to watch you with Georgetown, how long Godine's out. And, you know, he is the top returning defensive midfielder they have. And, you know, with him, you know, someone had mentioned to me the, the other day, he didn't play in that Delaware game. Um, uh, he, uh, he, didn't play in the Delaware game, I don't believe. Or if he did, it was he was injured. Um, but it, you know, w- with his absence there, and even with a guy like Zach Geddes like they had last year, with Godon's absence, things haven't been particularly strong. Uh, you know, you know, there's been some holes there uh, with the Georgetown defense, and I had mentioned th- throughout the offseason that within the depth there with Georgetown, the depth issues, one of those areas has to be addressed is defensive midfield. We saw Dylan Hess play mostly midfield on Saturday and uh, obviously a great two-way player, but uh, he, he is not uh, hes not a sole defensive midfielder. Uh, let me put it that way. Great player, fun to watch, but, but not a sole guy that knows that Geddes for sure. Um, and, and, and Will Godine's a, a better option there as a top uh, D-mid. So uh, with his absence, what was was very notable, but overall just a, a phenomenal performance here from Hopkins. Um, and, and I should mention the face-off dot as well um, when you looked at Tyler Dunn, uh, Logan Callahan uh, being a good, solid unit there for the Blue Jays. And um, you know, it looks like it looks like Hopkins is uh, is soaring through this early season 
slate. They've got a contest against North Carolina coming up tomorrow, uh, which I think is, uh, for me at least, I'm looking to get more out of that of like, hey, what is North Carolina actually? Because they beat Mercer was it 25 to 30 or something like that on Friday. So, uh, you know, not a whole lot you can gauge from that. It's, uh, you know, certainly you saw, you know, Bennett, uh, you, you saw a b- bunch of guys uh, step up there. Uh, some of these transfers, I know Sean Goldsmith had a good day. So, um, yeah, you know, it, that, that's a game where I'm looking more at North Carolina, uh, but, but also, you know, now can keep this up because uh, they're playing some good lacrosse right now and uh, certainly much better than I expected them to be playing through this point in the season. Let's move a bit farther south here with uh, Jacksonville. And two years in a row, Jacksonville has beaten Duke. Uh, a, a, a strong testament to th- this program and what John Galway has built there. This has been a uh, Dolphins squad that, um, you know, uh, like coming into the weekend, I thought they were going to lose to this one. You know, Max Waldorf didn't play once again. I, I kind of thought, you know, you know, and, and looking at the way Duke was playing, you, you kind of thought it's going to be tough for them to tough for them to win. Um, but hey, uh, they have gotten it done, and uh, Jacksonville beat Duke once again here this week, thirteen to twelve. Uh, big props to Luke Milken and. What he did there uh, with, with, what was it, 13 saves on the day, 54% save percentage. This second half performance was particularly strong for Jacksonville. Um, They came into the half, I think they were down by one or two. And they held Duke to, was it three goals, maybe in the second half of play. I don't have the official box score open in front of me, but um, it, like three or four goals in the second half. And I think each team scored uh, like once or twice in the fourth. Um, th- this is a uh, really strong performance here from Jacksonville. And, and just when a lot of people started to say, eh, were, were they a little overhyped? Uh, I mean, they came back striking. Uh, Brandon Galloway with, with three goals in this one. Jack Taylor, um, freshman, with, with three goals as well to help lead the way. The offense for Jacksonville, you can certainly see, is like still trying to figure itself out. Um, and the absence of Waldbaum, I think, is a big part of that. And you're seeing, you know, Galloway's a midfielder. They're initiating more from the midfield, it seems like, at this point. Um, and he's playing very well. Uh, big impact transfer there for them from UMBC, um, Duke, in, in respect to Duke, um, uh, home, let me mention this real quick, uh, the, the, the Jacksonville defense, I mentioned Luke Milken, Zach Deacon, the defensive midfielder, had a monster day, had an absolute monster that day there uh, for the Dolphins in this one. I think he had, was it, three cost turnovers, five ground balls, uh, an absolute monster day that he had for the Dolphins. Yeah, th- okay, three cause turnovers, two ground balls in this one, um, had a shot as well. Uh, as you know, Really showed a lot there at the position for the uh, Dolphins in this one. Now, I had had the question posed to me, was this win more of a statement of who Jacksonville is or who Duke is. And I think you could make an argument for both. Um, Jacksonville, certainly a a tough team, and and they showed that they were able to come back and, you know, was neck and neck with Duke practically the entire way. was able to come back from a a bit of a deficit and get this win here. Uh, They showed, even with a uh, with a not having the advantage of the faceoff dot, having a disadvantage at the faceoff dot, I should say, uh, that they still were able to get the win. They were still able to punch back when they needed to against the Duke team that we know can put up points, and they've done so 
It was their first two games. Um, but Duke, on the other hand, and certainly we, sh- we Jacksonville has shown, even without some key pieces, they can still f- they can still be what they need to be to to, to win a game uh, like the one they did against Duke. When you look at Duke, this is a team that played Bellman and played High Point. Blew them both out. Blew them both out. The core of this offense, Glenn O'Neill, Andrew McAdoy, Dyson Williams, has been unstoppable. And even on Saturday, they were pretty good. O'Neill had five goals in the loss, uh, and you had uh, Owen Caputo with one goal and two assists. Dyson Williams with three goals. Andrew McAdoy was one and one there as well. Aiden Denenza, two goals. Uh, Jake Naso had one assist on the day of the faceoff man and uh, won practically every faceoff of this contest. Is this a case? Suddenly, it's still February, but is this a case of Duke maybe being too reliant on the attack? And maybe not out of, you know, maybe not purposefully, but out, out of necessity. Um, I mentioned on the last Thursday, Duke's midfield and get more of those guys involved, get more depth at at that spot. We saw McAdoy start at midfield. Tommy Schelling uh, started at attack on Saturday. He's obviously a piece that they can use in this offense. And there's a ton of talent up and down this roster. I think this is a Duke team still kind of a work in progress. Uh, the, the, the defense, frankly, has been uh, – has impressed. Um, and, and even on Saturday, I, I didn't think was terrible. Um, and this that was a unit that I thought last year was the weakest point, uh, minus the goalie position. So, like, they've shown some improvement now, isn't And they've shown that they're clearly still a good team. I just – I wonder exactly, uh, like, what what point are they at right now, uh, specifically when it comes to the offense in terms of developing that and making that what they need it to be. And uh, this is this is a team. I think John Galway said it after the game. I saw it was he was like, you know, this is a team that Duke. They're going to be playing in May. Um, no, good win for us and and, and, and great to get that experience and, and to go through a tough battle like that uh, will only help us. And I think he's collecting that. And that, you know, Duke is a team that that's probably going to be playing in May still. And, um, but has some kinks to fill out to uh, take care of at this point in the season, as a lot of teams do. Another team uh, you could say that about is Denver. 12-10 to 10 loss over Air Force. Uh, congrats to the Falcons. The first win over Denver since 2009, which I, you know, I, I, I guess I, I, I never, um, I never thought about that. That's a, that's a while. That's a while. Like, I didn't think it was that long. I, I could have sworn they had uh, beaten them about six years ago, but um, yeah, it's, it's been longer than that. 2009 um, and 2023, the last two times the Air Force beat the Denver Pioneers. Brennan Dodd, five goals, one assist in this one. Josh Yago with one goal, two assists as well. Hunter Panzik, one goal, one assist. Uh, Kalen Driggs had same stat line there. Uh, this is a, like my, my takeaway from this. Um, and, and, and Air Force through these first couple of weeks is like, so like certainly they face two strong face-off oppositions um, and the face-off situation hasn't been very good um, the, the past couple of weeks for Air Force with such a disadvantage. Uh, but we've seen Jason Rose uh, play very, very good. He had 62% safe percentage, 17 saves, on the day uh, against Denver. We've seen this offense, which I'd said like coming in the season, Air Force, my, my biggest question was, who are they going to fill out this offense around Brendan Dodd with? Because 
we saw a lot of times last year where that kind of lack lack of depth or maybe being too reliant on Dodd was detrimental to them. And if they were able to shut him down, there wasn't much else to to do. Um, they've shown that that they've clearly gotten some depth on offense. Josh Yaga, the sophomore who was injured all of last season as a freshman, has been good. Uh, you've seen guys like Hunter Panzik, Kalen Driggs uh, step up there on Saturday. This good start for Air Force, for sure. A- absolutely great start for the Falcons. I-, I don't think they could have wished for a better start to the season. Uh, they battled against Ohio State in a loss uh, that-, that ended up, uh, you know, ended up being, you know, not as close as the game actually was in terms of the final score. Uh, but the Falcons looked uh, looked good in that battle uh, against Ohio State. They looked good uh, against Denver, obviously in the win, and was able to, to to stay, you know, with Denver pretty much this entire game, and eventually was able to break away and, and pull out the win in the second half. They've got a contest against Colgate, and then Stony. They've got Colgate this weekend and Stony Brook. Those are two gritty teams. Uh, Stony Brook uh, played Rutgers, and actually, that, that's one game I did not get to watch over the weekend. Going to try to watch it sometime here uh, this week. That Rutgers Rutgers Stony Brook game, uh, but but the, but the Sea Wolves, I think, it was an eleven to seven game there. One um, uh, for Rutgers and, and the Sea Wolves, giving the Scarlet Knights a uh, a battle there once again this season. Uh, I believe they, it was a close close ish game last year as well. Uh, so, so that wraps up kind of the uh, the upsets here. Well, I, I do want to mention this. Uh, Maris and Binghamton. So uh, congrats to Coach McEwen and the Binghamton Bearcats. 18-11 to 11, uh, upset victory over Maris. I certainly didn't see this coming. Um, you know, Binghamton loo- uh, lost you know, Teddy Dolan uh, there in Cage. They lost Kevin Winkoff on offense. Have some have some talent back. Thomas Greenblatt had one goal, four assists there. Um, in the win, Gage Adams, the NJIT transfer, had five goals in the contest as well. And then Matthew De Souza, seventy one percent at the faceoff dot in this contest. He continues that that dominance that we've seen there from him. Ross Chaz now um, the, the the backup also had a good day there also. So. Uh, Binghamton, like looking pretty strong, and I wasn't able to get eyes on this one, but just from what I've read in, in, in the game recaps and what I have uh, seen in terms of the stat sheet, I mean, this this is a and, and following it live, kind of there on, on, on Twitter, this is a Binghamton team that uh, came out filing on Saturday and, and got the big one there, uh, fourteen saves for Connor Winters. Uh, I mentioned I have to replace Teddy Dolan's a, a big task, but Winters looked pretty strong in his uh, in his debut, uh, as the uh, stats would suggest. Moving on here to uh, a couple other games, want to mention Vermont and Boston. You real quick. Um, I only watched really the second half of this one, but uh, biggest thing for me is Vermont seems to, like last week when we talked about with the Syracuse game, it seemed like the offense was still kind of coming together and they were kind of looking for some answers. I think they got some of those answers here on Saturday. Um, Brock Haley, three goals, five assists. Jonas Hunter, five goals, two assists. Klosterman went two two and two. Uh, Charles Huntley went one and one. Uh, An offense that saw uh, a number of goal scorers on the day, was that one, two, three, four, five, six, seven different guys finding back in the net, uh, about nine or ten overall point getters on the day. So uh, an offense that, that looks like it's getting better. Matt Schaefer uh, looked strong and caged there, 56% save percentage. We know what that uh, close defense has in terms of uh, Tim and Danny Manning, as well as Jackson Canfield. That's a, a, a dominant group right there for sure. And then obviously Tommy Burke uh, was able to take care of business there at the face-off dot 56% against Connor Calderon and what was an absolute 
a phenomenal battle between those two. Um, Boston U, like they got behind and were, were able to come back. I think they they won the fourth quarter. I think it was like six to three or something like that in the fourth quarter. Um, and of, of course, like I, I I tuned in like when Boston U was mounting that comeback, and uh, the the Terriers. I, I will say it's like both of these teams, I think, are still pretty solid. Vermont's got the game against Utah this weekend. And then we've got uh, Boston U going up and playing uh, Bryant this weekend. So uh, two uh, good contests that we'll get to see from these teams this weekend to maybe get a better picture. And certainly for Boston U. Uh, but, you know, Luis Perfetto, five points on the day. You had Vince Lealto with five as well. Timmy Lay had a hat trick in this one. Uh, Tommy Jepson had an assist, as did Jimmy O'Connell. Roy Meyer had a pole goal, and Thomas Niedlinghaus had a goal as well. So, like, this is a, a team that kind of, it for me, from what I saw at Boston U, they, they, they look very similar to last season, obviously, with as much talent returning, and they appear that they're going to be, uh, you know, just as good, right? Uh, but but certainly coming into their own here early in the season. And uh, I'm going to have to be able to, you know, what Vermont was able to do getting ahead, Boston is going to have to be able to counter that better. Uh, I think it's a better way of saying that. Boston U has to find a way to kind of counter uh, better here and certainly uh, opening weekend. Uh, big contest there. I picked Boston U to win that game. I thought it was going to be a pretty close one, and it almost wasn't, but Taylor was able to come back and uh, not get the win, but but still a uh, a wild second half. Uh, Michigan and Virginia, the, the last game I want to hit on here. Actually, before we get to that, uh, UMass and Army, UMass 10, Army 8. Uh, I kind of had this one open. Uh, for a second, um, Carter Castillo, three goals on the day there for UMass. Uh, Caleb Hammett and Ryan Henry uh, saw action at the dot there. Uh, Hammett went 18%. Henry went 70%, 7 for 10 on the day. Will Kawhi, 57% there for Army. This is a game that I, I kind of had open in the first quarter. And um, was eyeing it. Matt Note played phenomenal in this one. Uh, Army was I mean, Army showed me a lot that like, hey, we're we're still able to able to run with anyone. And they got down. I think it was four one at the end of the first. And just Army's ability to to come back from that and, and make this uh, a tough game and not let UMass run away with it, I think was 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 significant in this one uh, to be sure. And uh, before we get to the Michigan-Virginia one, I do want to mention one other game here, and that is Utah and Marquette. So first of all, Kobe Potts had two pole goals in this game. Absolutely phenomenal. You had Tyler Bradbury with falling down behind the back goal. I mean, this game was four highlights. Bobby O'Grady had five goals, one assist for uh, Marquette. Bradbury had two goals, four assists for Utah. This game was fast. We saw the Utes getting out and running in transition. Fun game to watch you between these two for sure. And I think these are, you know, Utah had that bad loss to to Denver in their opener. They didn't look quite quite themselves. Utah looked a lot better in this game. Now Marquette is not as good as Denver, but I still think like both these teams. And it's an eighteen sixteen game. A lot of scoring. Both these teams are ones that, that I kind of look at and see as, well, th- they can make some noise. I think Utah is, Utah is certainly much better set up to make noise than Marquette is being in the A-Sun rather than the Big East. Uh, but both these teams uh, are, are set up in such a way that are uh, looking like they could make some noise this season. So Michigan 17 Excuse me, Virginia 17, Michigan 13. This is a game that I, I picked Virginia to win. I didn't think there was really any doubt. And while Michigan, I was uh, supposed to, I'll, I'll say this. 
Michigan will be better this year. Michigan will be better. Ryan Cohn, three goals, two assists. Joshua Water, two goals, two assists. Ryan Schreiber with two goals there. This is a Michigan team that I, I thought played well, and while they were able to kind of stay within arm's reach of Virginia throughout the game, I never felt like this is a this is a Michigan team that's going to beat Virginia. Like I, I never felt like Michigan was going to come out with the win. Uh, Virginia was was just too good. Virginia showcased a lot of what we expected from them this season. Peyton Cormier with seven points on the day. You had Connor Schellenberger with six points on the day. Thomas McConvey with uh, five points on the day in his debut as a Cavalier. Xander Dixon, two goals, two assists. Petey Lasala even had two goals in the day as well. The faceoff man, Jeff Connor, Evan Zinn had an assist there. Uh, and then Ricky Mize in the uh, Stanford linebacker transfer got in as well. Comes out of the box, going downhill, across uh, the cage. N- nice, nice shot there from him to uh, get his Virginia career started. I thought this was a uh, a solid performance from Virginia, all around. Uh, the, the midfield strength that you saw from them uh, suddenly with with, with McConvey the amount of talent that we saw from the offense. And certainly it's game one. They've got a big contest against Harvard this weekend that we'll talk about on Thursday's show, uh, to be sure. Um, The Virginia defense, I think, is looking improved, at least through one game. Matthew Nunes, 15 saves, 54% save percentage. Probably the biggest takeaway for me on that back end. Uh, It looks like he is indeed... Uh, taking a step forward from his freshman year to his sophomore year. Um, Petey LaSala, Mac Eldridge, both saw action at the faceoff. Dot LaSala, 14 for 25, 56%. Uh, Eldridge was 4 of 7, I believe it was, 57%. And then uh, we, we saw both Nick Rollett and Justin Wheatfield there for Michigan. Uh, both uh, struggled against that matchup. Uh, but overall, good contest. And I think, you know, both teams, again, like Virginia showed me kind of what I wanted to see Virginia come out of the gates, get that kind of win. And like the ability for them, even when Michigan was kind of getting back into it, for them not to fold, for them to keep fighting, that shows a lot there as well. Um, and then for Michigan, I think the fact that they were able to remain in the game is 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 pretty notable there. And again, I never felt like in this contest that, Michigan was going to come back, um, but it did, you know, was good to see uh, Michigan look improved after, uh, you know, the season that they had last year with, I think, eight losses in the season. So what would that be, nine straight losses now for them? Um, Villanova and Penn State, I did not watch this one, uh, but do you want to mention it? Villanova, 14, Penn State, 12, a good victory there for the Wildcats, Patrick Daly, four goals, one assist. Austin Frazier, two goals and two assists. Uh, Matt Lakatia with the same stat line. And then Matt Campbell with four goals there as well. Villanova's offense from what we've seen um, in this game. And again, I did not get eyes on it. I saw, some, I saw the clips on Twitter, but I did not see it on all the social media but did not watch the uh, the game on Sunday. But uh, Villanova's offense looks pretty, pretty good there. And uh, in terms of of, of uh, the face-off that I mentioned, the Justin Coppola-Hudson Bond uh, matchup, pretty solid. Uh, Bond went 48% there for Penn State. Coppola went 54% there for Villanova. Uh, kind of, uh, I don't know if that's like what I expected, but... Um, I think both both guys still pretty pretty decent there. Will Vitton, uh, 18 saves, 60% save percentage there for Villanova. So a, a really solid uh, start to the season for the Wildcats, and, and they're certainly looking to uh, get a uh, get another big win this Saturday against Yale. We'll talk about that one also on 
Thursday's show when we preview a majority of the games heading into what will be week three of, excuse me, week two of the college lacrosse season, the third week overall, though, since games have been played and the first weekend of Ivy League action. Before we get out of here, do want to uh, go over my top 20 real quick. So, um, and, and I'm going to try to put this on the screen uh, for y'all that are watching on the YouTube. So my top 20, so first and foremost, I don't have a vote in the official rankings, uh, but last year was putting out my, what my top 20 would be in the, um, in my you know weekend uh, recap column. Uh, and so uh, this year decided just to do it in terms of a uh, full-blown, you know, Tanner's top 20 piece. So here's what I have uh, after week one of the college cross season. And like going in and, and trying to do this on Sunday night, I didn't know what I was going to do. Um, who I was going to put where, it, it's it's madness. So this thing will certainly change throughout the season. But uh, my first in-season ranking here, obviously Virginia stays at number one. I have Cornell has moved up to number two. Princeton has moved up to number three. And Notre Dame to number four. I did not want to drop those teams because they had not played. So I moved them up. I have Maryland at number five. I think the Topes, certainly you, you had a significant loss there on Saturday, but this is a team, Maryland is Maryland, and, and we know they're going to bounce back from this one. I still think they're a top five team when it gets down, when you get down to it uh, here in 2023. I have Penn and Yale at six and seven. Similar situation there, like they haven't played yet. We'll see what they do. This weekend, Penn's got Georgetown, Yale's got uh, Villanova, as we just mentioned. And I have Georgetown Hoyas there at number eight. Uh, so the Hoyas, I think I had them to start the season number four or five um, in, in my preseason poll. And actually, let me pull that up real quick. My preseason poll, I had them, yeah, at number four. And so dropped them four spots to number eight with the loss to Hopkins. Again, that's a team, and I mentioned it, kind of coming together. I think they're going to bounce back. Obviously, the game against Penn this weekend will be telling. Ohio State, I have a number nine. They have wins over Air Force and Cleveland State. Worked pretty good in those wins. Jack Myers has played well. Uh, Drew Blanchard has been solid at the faceoff dot. The transfers of Shiva Calandra, Kyle Lewis, Kyle Border, like these guys have been very good there in that offense. We've seen some, seen some young guys step up there as well. The defense of Bobby Van Buren, Marcus Hudgens, Jacob Snyder uh, has been strong at that close spot. So Ohio State has kind of covered all the bases right now. Um, at this point in the season, and certainly two games in, it's going to get tougher down the stretch. They've uh, As we get farther in the season, They've got the Virginia game coming up in two weeks uh, down there in Naples, Florida. So that is going to be an interesting one, uh, certainly. And then they've got North Carolina uh, this coming weekend. Um, and remember what Ohio State did to North Carolina last year. That, that kind of started their whole ascent last season, was that big blowout win over the Tar Heels. I have Rutgers at number 10, similar situation with Ohio State. Look, they have wins over Marist and Stony Brook. Um, you know, Kyle Mullen's been solid in cage. We've seen uh, Ross Scott, Dante Kulis, these guys emerge and, and, and continue to uh, contribute offensively. Uh, Bobby Russo, uh, Noah Daniels, the, the, this, this defensive midfield, this defense, NASCAR offense, it's continued. Like Rutgers has done, they've taken care of business. They simply put, they've taken care of business. The newcomer here in the polls is Johns Hopkins. The first newcomer we get to here, I have them at number 11. I mentioned it, Hopkins has been the most impressive team to me so far this season, the biggest surprise team. 
win over Jacksonville, win over uh, uh, Georgetown, and has, has been a very solid team. So far, the offense has looked better. The defense has continued to stay the same, uh, and not not in a bad way, in a good way, uh, to, to stay the same. Maybe even get better with, with, with Mazzone there, certainly. So uh, Hopkins has been looking good. Uh, Delaware, Harvard, and North Carolina. I've not moved either of those teams off of where they were at the preseason. So Delaware uh, blew out Lafayette over the weekend. I, not much you can gauge from that. Harvard has not played. We'll see what they are here this weekend for the first time against Virginia. North Carolina, I mentioned it earlier, they blew out Mercer. Not much you can gauge from that. So I, I decided just to keep those teams there. I think I might be a little higher on Carolina than some other teams than some other people. Um, I know I've that's like the one team I got a lot of comments about in the preseason. And then again today is hey, you have North Carolina a little too high. We'll see. I have Loyola at number 15. And I know I saw, I can't remember which one it was. There was one of the two major rankings that had Loyola in the top uh, 10. Look, I, I, they beat Maryland, and, and that's significant, but it's one game at your opener. Uh, certainly, the, the offense looks like it's flowing pretty well. The defense had a phenomenal performance there. Luke Stout uh, looking very solid in cage. Uh, and, and then we mentioned the close defense as well. Like, there's a lot to like about Loyola. Uh, faceoffs, potential clearing issues, especially early on in the season, they're there for sure. Uh, but Loyola's looked good. I decided to move them in. I initially decided uh, I was going to put them in at like, you know, 20 or 18 or whatever, uh, but then was, was going through it. And I, I just could not justify putting them any lower than 15 or any higher than like 13. So uh, at 15, they go. Uh, Jacksonville's there at 16. And uh, Jacksonville, that's where they were in the preseason as well. I have not moved them off of that spot. Uh, that, that wasn't, uh, I didn't come into writing my rankings this week and say we're going to keep Jacksonville in, uh, but uh, ended up doing so. Uh, and got the one over Duke. And uh, you know, looked in, they, they've looked like they've improved from game one to game two. Certainly, Waldbaum is still out. Like, it's a solid Jacksonville team. I think they'll, they'll, they're going to be around this like 16 to 20 spot throughout the season. It is kind of the way I see it. Maybe get up to, you know, 15, the 15 through 12 spot, but like they, they, as I see it right now, they're kind of going to maintain around where they kind of are. And I think part of, you know, especially against an ASUN schedule, that's a bit weaker than some other conferences. Um, you know, we'll see how that goes, but I think we're going to see Jacksonville kind of maintain around there throughout the season. Uh, Duke, I have at 17. This was the toughest one for me. I don't feel like Duke is is the 17th team in the country. But I didn't know where to put them. I had Duke at seven in the preseason, so I dropped them 10 spots below. But here's the thing. I couldn't justify putting them above Jacksonville. And look, Duke is – they had a good game against Bellman, a good game against High Point. They stepped up in competition. And they lost. It was one goal lost, but they lost. So I'm not sure um, right now. Like, we're going to see a lot with Denver and Duke this weekend, which is a Friday game. So, I mean, we'll see with that one. I And, and Duke will probably, if they win that one, they'll probably rise. Uh, they, they will rise in, in my rankings for sure. But, like, I just didn't know where to put them. And, and so we, we go – 217 we go and uh is it too low maybe um but that, that that's kind of the one that people have of people i've talked to today have said hey that's it's probably right i don't doesn't feel right but it's probably right um i've navy at 18 uh they've jumped in certainly the three you know got the win over hofstra on on uh 
Saturdays, they do all line has been looking good. The attack line has been looking good and improved. Uh, we've seen this defense continue to uh, get better. We, we've had a situation and goal with uh, two players playing fantastic and Pat Ryan and Dan Daly. So I don't really have any quarrels with, uh, with Navy and, and how they've performed through this point in the season. They are one of those teams that was kind of on the edge for me in terms of, uh, you know, next up uh, in my preseason. So uh decided, you know, we, we're going to move Navy to, to number 18. Uh, St. John, St. Uh, St. John's, uh, St. Joseph's is at 19. That's where they were in the preseason. They had a big win over Sacred Heart over uh, on Saturday, uh, blowout win there. So uh, Zach Cole did what he did. We, we attacked it, what, what, what they were supposed to do. So, again, not much you can gauge there. So we're just going to keep them where they lie. Uh, Vermont has moved into this one. And th- this is this is the, the t- this 20th spot was pretty tough for me. Do I keep I, – I, I, I thought about keeping Brown in. So I didn't feel right about dropping Brown out having not played. Uh, but then I also felt like Vermont should be in there with, you know, how well uh, they played uh, with getting the win over Boston U on Saturday. And I had Boston U at 17 in my preseason. So, and Vermont also looked decent against Syracuse, which is one of like my next two or three teams uh, that, that, that I considered to put in there. Syracuse overall, though, um, just I don't think the, – the one game they played was the Vermont game, and it wasn't like a – I think someone had said, like, you know, it was a – they didn't lose, um, but, but it wasn't it wasn't like a, like a revelation in, in terms of how well they played. Um, but the defense looked good. Um, you know, saw some progress. Um, and so they, they, they've beaten – Holy Cross and uh, Albany over the weekend pretty soundly. So uh, Syracuse, and if Syracuse does beat Maryland, they're definitely going to be moving into it. They're kind of Brown, Syracuse, Maryland, uh, not Maryland, Brown, Syracuse, uh, Stony Brook, those teams are kind of hanging out kind of in the 25, 21 through 25 section right now. So figured put Vermont in there. Matt Schaefer's looked good. The offense has looked to get better uh, through these first two weeks. So uh, that is my top 20 from the week one of the college lacrosse season. You can read more about that at lacrossebucket.com where you can get all your latest college lacrosse and recruiting news and notes. You can, again, listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcast and watch on YouTube. Don't forget, hit the like button, hit the subscribe. Helps us grow the show, uh, helps us in turn grow the game and spread our love for this great game as well. Lacrossebucket.com, where it's always lacrosse season.